Good morning. Um, first of all, I want to start out by saying thank you for having Rick and I in today that we are just so excited to be here. I can't even remember when the last time um, it was that we were here, but it's been quite a while, several years. And so for many of you, um, you know that we have been missionaries and you have been praying and supporting us for almost 29 years. Can you imagine? So, you know, without that that support and those prayers, we would never have been able to do what we have been able to do through the Lord and where he has led us from um, starting in 1989 to Costa Rica to Venezuela in 1990 and then in the year 2000 um, has led us into Mozambique, Kenya, Myanmar, Sudan, Romania, and Serbia. And so we serve in all those places now, and what the Lord has allowed us to focus on is widows and orphans, and just a whole different idea of church planting. And so I know that um, some of you have read our prayer letters and have seen what God has done in seeing many lives come to the Lord, and we have seen villages um, change, we create jobs, we we help um, people who can't help themselves, and we help them try to become self-sufficient. So that's our whole, our whole goal and our whole premise. But we invite you when you go out at our table. Um, we were just in Kenya um, a week and a half ago, and we had an editor, a writer, um, and she wrote a story of one of the things that really touched her heart in going into the homes of the people and so she wrote a story, and so if you would like, um, there's her story back there and some prayer requests. But truly, Rick and I want to thank you, and I know um, if some of you were here 29 years ago, our children, Amy, who lives in Charlotte, um, she has three children, and then Adam, he also lives in Charlotte, and he has four children. And so when we're in the States, we live in Charlotte, of course, because we're going to be living close to our seven grandchildren. And so when we first came, you know, we had little children of our own, and now I know we don't look a day older, but um, we are really old, and we're in those 60s now, but um, we're still pressing on to the Lord, and, and we're excited to see what he's going to do in the next, um, Rick says 30 years, but I'm giving it 10. And so um, thank you so much from our hearts. We are just so excited to be here with you, and I want to thank the Whittles for having us in their home. I want to thank you for... You know, there was probably 20 people last night in the group. And you know what? We could have gone for hours and hours and hours talking about the Lord and how good he is and what he's done in our lives and what he's going to do in the future. So hang in there, and we're going we're gonna to work in this thing together. So thank you. I'll move that out of the way and turn this on. Is it on? My goodness, I was singing with it with, when it was on. That must have, must have been horrible. I thought I heard a dog over there going, oh! Is, that is, listen, I have a two-year-old grandson, and I sing to him, and you know what he does? He says, stop it. <laughs> and I said, really? I said, you don't like that? And he just, so I wait a little bit, and I start singing again. He goes, stop it. And if I do it again, he gets louder. Stop it! And I, at least he doesn't say shut up, right? 
which he does to his older brothers and sisters. But with me, he just says, stop it, which is okay. I, I can deal with that. I'm like Diana. I'm, I'm glad to be here with you. And I was uh, remembering, uh, you know, the church has not changed on the inside, you know, the building and stuff. And I remember uh, one time coming through here when Adam and a Amy were young, and they, uh, they wanted to get up and do something, and they, they got up and, and told jokes. And uh, I can remember Adam getting up there and telling his jokes, and, uh, you know, it just brings back memories because we've gone to uh, all these churches over the years, back and forth and back and forth, and, and it's neat to find people that are still going to the same church. And uh, even kids, you know, I just met two little babies coming in just a minute ago, but I've met a lot of babies in my lifetime and, and young kids, and I come back to churches, a lot of times they'll say, do you remember me? And I, of course I don't, and I'm sorry about that, but uh, so I'm getting old, I'm, you know, and it's been 29 years and I go to a lot of places, but what's neat is they'll remember a story or they'll remember something that we encouraged them with, and that's such a blessing to have those kind of ties uh, with your churches and with your missionaries. And, and I, and I want to thank you for letting us have that opportunity to have those memories and uh, to think that we've had a part in at least encouraging and advancing the kingdom in some way uh, uh, over the last 29 years. So we're thankful for that. We're thankful for you. We're thankful for the church and for the prayers and the offerings and everything that you do here and for us. Uh, because we really want to do the best we can and be pleasing to the Lord. Uh, I want to share with you a little bit uh, from Scripture, because I want to try to set a stage and talk about why we do what we do. And, and, and it, it has to come from what our belief is. So it can't be a belief of, I kind of believe in Jesus. It's got to be a belief that we're really sold out for him. And I, and I saw the singing people up here, and I really liked it, by the way. I liked how they... Uh, came in together and did their guitars and the, the sound of it, and you have a little singing girl. Where's singing girl? Did she leave for junior <laughs> church? Huh? Where is she? Yeah, she might have went to junior church. That's awesome, because I was in a church last week, and there was a drummer girl that was just young, like 15, 16 years old. And, and, and what's neat about it is that they're, 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 they're there, and it's just so pleasant to see them, you know. I, get, I go in some churches, and they're all like 95 years old, which is, is not as pleasant as to see, you know. Uh, and if you ever go in a church and everybody's 95 years old, do not talk about any operation you've had, because they can outdo you, like 100%. Believe me, I've been there, and I'm like, why did I even bring it up, you know. And they call you a sissy, by the way, you know. Oh, that's nothing. You're just a sissy. And then they show you like 20 scars. And literally some places I did, I don't even want to look there. Stop it. You know, like my grandson. So, so, so it's good to see that. I really enjoy. I enjoy seeing. Uh, it's not just because they're young, but there's something about singing about the Lord. There's something about getting involved with what's going on in church that, that, that God the Holy Spirit can use in your life to guide you forward and do special things in your life. Listen, we have so much, so much to be thankful for. We have a, we have a God that is so wonderful and so good and so powerful. Sometimes we think everybody's winning and the reality is nobody's winning except God himself and the people that he's called to himself. Yeah. Now listen, it doesn't mean that we don't have any problems in our lives. Uh, if you, listen, 
If you have a family, who is a family here? You all have families, right? And you're born into those families, huh? And sometimes you're like, what? What was God thinking? You know, I used to tell my mom, I said, Mom, aren't you glad you had me with all the crazy people that you had before me? Those, those morons are, must be happy you had a son like me. And, you know, so, and I was the last born, of course, you know, and everybody hated me because that. I never got that when I was a kid. That's because you're not special like me. You know, you just go right back at it. And so I understand, I understand that, you know, we, we have our problems, we have our difficulties, and, and it's not just uh, people who, who, who are sitting here today, but pastors and preachers and missionaries and missionary kids and missionary uh, pastors' families. All of us walk through this world, and all of us are tempted, and all of us are beat up in some way or another. And if we focus on that stuff, or if we listen to the crazy news or the crazy politicians, let me tell you, we think that we're losing everywhere, but we're not. Christianity is gaining everywhere, and people are coming to the Lord, and it's exciting. The, the thing is, is that somebody says, okay, you, you have a little passion, but well, why not? Yeah. I mean, we have a God, and this one I'm going to share with you briefly. We have a God who became flesh. He was the Son of God. He was the Messiah. He was the Christ. He, he, he lived on this earth. He experienced the things we experienced. He understands our problems. He understands who we were. And he was perfect and he was sinless because he was God. And we can understand that, not completely, because it still confuses me a lot. Because I know I can't even come close to what, uh, uh, you know, being non-sinless. You know, because I'm such a sinner. And I'm such a broken person in so many ways. But yet I try to yield to God the Holy Spirit and I try to obey the commandments of God because they're easy, he says. Obey my commandments, they're not that hard. You know, love me with all your heart, your mind, soul, your, your spirit, everything you have, love me, love others as yourself. And, 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 and follow the, do the things that I do and I'll work in you. And God the Holy Spirit will come and house himself in you and he will guide you. And that's an awesome thing. All other religions have nothing like that. It doesn't exist for them. They're not following a God. They're not following a, a, a true God. They're following uh, beliefs and makeups. And they'll say, well, that yours is just based on faith, and so are yours. Even with the atheists, they'll say, oh, you guys just have a bunch of faith. Well, so do you. <laughs> My faith is on reality that there was a man named Jesus. He was, he did live on earth historically and biblically, it's uh, documented, and that he did die and he was buried and he did come back to life. And so if you go to Matthew 27, and we're not going to read all these verses and stuff, I'm just going to touch on some things, then my hope is is that I can challenge you with some stuff. And then my prayer is that God the Holy Spirit will inspire you to be the people of God right now because you're not going to live 100 years from now. You can't go back and be born again. Well, you can be born again anew in Jesus, but in the flesh, you can't turn your life around and do it all over again. You have just now to live. This is your now. This is your reality, so why not let God the Holy Spirit inspire you to be, be the people that he wants you to be right now, here in Middletown, doing his bidding and his calling to people that so need Jesus. Unless there's nobody in Middletown that needs Jesus. 
then you might as well just come with me. Well, I'll find some places. There's a lot of places in the world that need Jesus. But I'm sure it's, it, there's a need here. So in Matthew 27, verses 60, uh, 62 and 66, there's really, really what happens there is the guards, um, it talks about the guards uh, at the tomb. Uh, and, and, uh, it, and I don't want to read all that, uh, but uh, let me read this first part because it'll help us get started. The next day, that is after the day of preparation, the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered before Pilate. Okay, so now you have the, here, here it is, the same today. You have the religious leaders who don't believe anything that Jesus says. You have the political leaders that are only thinking about themselves because that's really politics. I hope there's no political people in here today. There's none. Well, I'm good, right? They're not going to get me after the service. Well, anyway, if there are, please don't be so political. Be truthful. So here you have the political people. They're doing their thing. The religious people that don't want to believe in Jesus is doing their thing. It's a mess. It's the same thing today. We have politicians say we can't do and say what we want to say. We have religious leaders that aren't following the Bible because they want to say and do what they want to say. They don't want to believe what Jesus says, so they just believe what they want to believe. And you can't do it. But here they come up with a plan together. So you have the religious leaders going, and they're meeting with uh, Pilate. And uh, they say, Sir, we remember how this imposter said while he was still alive, After three days I will rise. Therefore, order the tomb to be made secure until the, day, until, until the third day. Least disciples, least his disciples go and steal him away and tell the people he is risen from the dead and the last fraud will be worse than the first. Pilate said to them, have a guard of soldiers go, make it as secure as you can. So they went and made the tomb secure, sealing the stone and setting a guard at that place. And so right off the bat, these guys are scheming because they, uh, they, they, they don't want this to happen. And they're scheming behind it because, let's be honest, religion is only religion because they want to they, they wanna get something out of people and they want to build their religion. And politicians will say anything. They'll kiss as many babies as they, want, they, they, they can. They'll say anything to get what? Elected, And we know it's true. That's why it frustrates us so much. And, and, and the reporters on TVs, I, I don't even understand half of those reporters anymore. So we're right there in all of that. And that's all the political I'm going to get. Okay, but, but I want to tell you that it's the same world. It's the same stuff. People are trying to set the stage for us to believe something that it's, that's a lie. That, that Jesus really didn't do what he said he did. That God doesn't really work in that. I mean, if you would look at the news today, you would think that Christianity is losing all over the world. Well, God doesn't lose. In fact, if I was the last Christian, or if this famous guy right here, I, when I walked in, I thought, hey, that's one of those guys with a band. And, 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 and I thought it was the, uh, the Oak Ridge Boys, but he said you were more, looked more like uh, Stills. Crosby, Crosby, Stills, and Nash. And I said, you know, you're right. And I said, so are you him? And he says he's not. But I wanted to get his autograph before I left, just in case. So even if he was the last believer on earth, this guy right here, guess what? God still would be God. Because he doesn't have to have everybody believe in him to stop being God. 
He, he, he wants us to believe in him. And, and, the, and the scriptures teach us that there's going to be millions upon millions, tongues after tongues, tribes after tribes, uh, and billions of people that will put their faith in Jesus and, and will, be, will be found in heaven. And there's neat scriptures in the Bible that talks about this all the time in the Old Testament, how people who, who, who are so opposed to what we believe in will one day come and worship in Jerusalem along with everybody else. And so we don't lose. God doesn't lose. He wins. So if we talk about passion, that's where our passion is. It's in a fact, a truth, a reality that Jesus is who he said he, uh, he is, the Son of God. And so... In that, you have this struggle, but if you go to uh, chapter 28 now and uh, verse 11, so they set the stage to try to say, just in case, you know, these guys are going to come and steal the body, and we know they're going to do it, but we're going to be prepared for them. And we're going, to ca- we're going to make sure that there's guards and stuff. But look what happens to the report of the guards in chapter 28. When they were going, behold, some of the guards went into the city and told the chief priests, all that it had had taken place. Now they told him what happened, that Jesus raised from the dead. They didn't lie about it. I mean, none of those guards, I mean, one scripture says that they all just felt like, like they were dead. They were so shocked. I've never seen an angel. Have you? Yes. you well, okay, you have. But I have never, if I would see one, I'd probably be pretty scared of it. And uh, so, I mean, I would be shocked, like, well, who are you, right? And in the Bible, every time they see an angel, if it's not the angel of the Lord, they try to worship the angel, and the angel says, no, no, don't worship me, because I'm not, I'm not that kind of, I'm not him, I'm not God. And so, these guys were shocked, and they were bewildered, and they, they knew if they went back to the Romans, they're, they're, the Romans are going to uh, put them to death because they're going to say, you were supposed to guard that. And they're not going to believe any story about some angel coming and rolling that stone away or getting Jesus out of there. And so you have that set stage. And so these guys go and they tell them the story. And when they had assembled, so the leaders, the chief priests, and all the people get there and they assemble. And when they have assembled, and this is in verse 11, chapter 28, going into church, uh, verse 12 now. And when they had assembled, the elders had taken counsel. They gave a significant sum of money to the soldiers and said, Tell people, tell people. His disciples came by night and stole him away while he was sleeping. And if this comes to the governor's ears, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So they took the money and did as they were directed. And the story has been spread among the Jews even to the day. So... What they're saying is that we bought off the soldiers, we bought off the cheap politician, and our story is what a lot of people still believe even today. And you know, there's six major things that I want to share with you about the, the crucifixion, and then, then, then I'm going to give you my, my challenge. Uh, one is, uh, uh, maybe I don't need my glasses for this, uh, <clears throat> that everybody saw him crucified. The Romans were there. Uh, some of the disciples were there. The Jewish leaders were there. They saw him crucified, and they all saw him died. And in fact, they all saw him stuck in the side with the spear and the water and the blood washed out. So there's no, there's no question about that the guy did die or was crucified and that Jesus did die. And then he was buried. Well, the, the burial part is a, is a good thing because you bury things that are dead, right? I mean, most things that you don't bury non-dead things. 
Have you ever known anybody to bury somebody that's not dead? No, unless it's Twilight Zone. You probably know what that is. But they, they did you know, shows like that. You know, I've seen shows where somebody gets buried and you're like, oh, no, he wasn't supposed to be buried because the guy he's buried with was supposed to let him out of the grave. You know? and, and so I understand that. But you don't bury things that aren't dead. And so he's dead. And they all saw him dead. They all knew he was dead. They tested. That's why they stuck the spear into his side. And even Pilate says in one part of the scriptures, he's dead already? Yeah, he's dead. I mean, after what he went through, he's, I don't even see how he made it to the cross to die. And uh, so then, uh, then the tomb is found empty, empty. Well, the Romans were there. They saw the tomb empty. There was, there was I, I'm sure, some Jewish temple guards that were there. They saw that the, Rome, the, the tomb was empty. They were there when the angel showed up. Friends of Jesus were there. Uh, they showed up to, to, to prepare his body, the women, and then some of the disciples later on. They saw that the tomb was empty. And, uh, but, but there's where the struggle comes in. So we live in a world today where everybody wants to tell you, yeah, Jesus is really, it's good to, it's okay, that, that's good for you. Because it works for you. But, you know, I want to believe in X, Y, and Z because that works for me. But, but they don't want to, it, it, a lot of times they don't want to talk about the realities of what X, Y, and Z is. So, so you go to countries where it's 95% Buddhist. And, and yet, it's very hard to read the Buddhists. But guess what? God still works there. And he works there by the, the mere fact that this story is a fantastic story. There's none like it in any other religion. Because most religions, it's like, I just hope I get into heaven. I mean, even Muhammad, when he died, the stories behind that is he asked his wife before he died, by the way, he was poisoned by another wife. Who, he got that wife by killing another guy because he wanted that wife. And so you start reading through those stories and you're thinking, yeah, Jesus is a lot different. You know, <laughs> a lot different guy. And, uh, and so, and I, and I know for them, they, they're like, oh, you can't talk about Muhammad because they don't want to scrutinize. But in our beliefs as believers, Jesus says, the Bible says, you can ask me what, why, when, where, how. You can ask me all the questions you want. I'm God. I'm not intimidated by your questions. Why are other religions so intimidated by any question? You can't ask that question. You're offending God. Yeah, but I just want to know why God would do something. Like, no, you can't. Don't ask it. Christianity, God is saying, ask what you want, and I'll give you the answer. It's right here in the book. He'll work in your lives to bring you to the answers of knowing him. And so, so, so the, 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 the tomb was found empty, all of them. The enemies, the Romans, the Jews, the friends, they found it there. Also, friends uh, saw Jesus uh, uh, afterwards. So we have the apostles uh, seeing Jesus afterwards, right? We have people on the road uh, to, forget the city now, Aram, um, Amen. what is it? Damascus. Not Damascus. That was Paul, Emmaus. So on the road to Emmaus, you have two disciples, and, and disciples, disciples. I think they were bigger disciples than just some littler disciples. I think they were leaving Jerusalem because they're confused. Man, he died on us. I didn't, we didn't think this was going to happen. Because this whole thing about resurrection, even though he brought people back from the live, they, they, they couldn't figure it out. How is this really going to happen? And so you have then Paul, you have Paul. So his friends saw him, the women, the disciples, other friends of him saw him. And do you realize when Jesus died, 
Hundreds of people came back to life. The minute he died in Jerusalem, how would, how would that shock you? Here, you're, you're in Jerusalem and you're, yeah, they're killing Jesus up on the mountain. There's an earthquake. There's this darkness that's over everything. Then all of a sudden you see Mordecai go by. Hey, didn't we bury him last week? What in the world is he doing here now? I mean, it was all kinds of things like that. And historically, uh, people like Josephus and other people document that in other books other than, than the Bible. And so here you have then the, 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 the Romans also saw him because they saw him at the grave. Uh, you have the enemies of Christ. On the road to Damascus, was Paul an enemy of Christ? Wow, what an enemy of Christ he was, huh? And what turned him is the appearance of Christ on the road. Say, why are you persecuting me? Who are you? I'm Jesus. And bam, blinded, you know the story there. How about his brother James and his family? They came to Jerusalem to get him because they thought he was insane. Did you read those scriptures? It would be like my, you know, my, my family. Uh, my family thought I was a little insane. They go, so you're talking about this Jesus way too much. Why don't you go to school and get an education? Good idea. And so that's what I did. I went to school and got an education to become a pastor. Over the years, people have, in my family have become believers because I've just kept witnessing to them. James became a believer and became a martyr for Christ. And so, so, so but he was not a friend of it. He thought his brother would, had lost his mind completely. Read the scriptures. It's there. They came there trying to take him home. It's insinuated in there. And so enemies of Christ also be, became, even some of the Sanhedrin, some of the people that were religious uh, in, in those religious parties, they became believers. It's written in scripture about some of them coming, becoming followers of Christ because they saw Jesus. Uh, so in this, we, we know the crucifixion, the death, the burial, the tomb. Uh, and there's all kinds of theories about these tombs. Uh, you know, fallen asleep theory, uh, the wolf uh, theory. He was hallucinating. Yeah, right. Jesus was hallucinating, right? I just hallucinated while I was in there after they beat me half to death. No, Jesus died. None of those theories weigh up. So the bottom line is, is that we believe in something that is so totally true. So awesome that sometimes we overlook that fact. There's nobody, there's no religion on earth that has their God who came and became flesh, dwelled among them, walked among them, taught them, ate with them, slept, you know, in, in the camps together, uh, did the things that he did with them, then died, was put in a grave, came back to life, and for 40-some days, he was there witnessing and talking to them and, dis and discipling them, and then ascended into heaven. And, and, and then, many times, appeared a few times after that to prove the point, hey, guys, listen, keep up the good work. But then, then we have this idea of God the Holy Spirit coming on us. So we don't need Jesus to show up and point us the way because we have this seal in our life. And God the Holy Spirit, I don't know if you understand how wonderful he is. And, and I know there's people running around zapping people all over the place and healing like crazy. And, and, and that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about God the Holy Spirit that works in our lives, that tells us that you should be doing this and obeying in this way. And, 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 and that there's this burning in your life to say, man, at the end of the day, 
I just want to have this uh, passion for God. I want to be pleasing to him. I want to yield to God, the Holy Spirit, because Jesus says there's a promise there. The promise is, is when I give him to you, he will remind you of the things I've taught you about. And he says, so hold on, wait for him to come. And you know what? He is here with us. He is here now. And he's going to guide us. And he's going he's to lead us into all things. And he will help us stand out and do the things that he has called us to do right now in our lives. And so when we come to the end of these verses then in chapter 28, uh, we then come to these passages of, of the Great Commission. Let me just read it. 16 to 20. It says, Now the eleven disciples went into Galilee, or went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus directed, directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Now, these are the disciples, the, 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 the eleven that are there, right? They're there. And they went to this mountain to, 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 that Jesus directed them. But when they got there, after all the stuff they just went through in Jerusalem, they saw the empty grave, Jesus appeared to them. Uh, they, they saw that, but some still doubted. Do you ever doubt? Yeah, because sometimes it's hard, isn't it? I've, I've gone down the highway thinking, man, I believe in a, a, a story of a dead man who was put in a grave, who was buried, and was resurrected. And then I start to think about all the facts behind that. Then I start to look at the history of how God has worked in my life. Supernatural in some ways. And, and, and how he has changed me to be a person that I should have never been. I'm telling you, I think if, if I was left to my own, I, I don't think I would be here. I'd probably be in prison somewhere. I don't know. But I know that, that, that knowing my character and who I am and my family history and stuff, I don't think I'd be here. And I don't think some of you would be here either. In fact, your pastor just told me a story. Where is him? I, I, where is he? I don't want to get in trouble with him. There he is over there. I, that he was a hippie type guy before he got saved and doing hippie type things. Don't want to go any further than that. Let him tell you that story. But I'm just thinking, yeah, I've met a lot of those people, you know, because we all were filled with our selfishness, and yet God came in and changed us. Has it happened to you? Yes. And so you know these things, and in your life over a period of time, there's these changes that take place. Uh, you're, you're less selfish, even though sometimes you don't feel like it. You're, you're, you want to do more for God. You want to be pleasing to your family. You want to honor God in so many ways. See, you start to give up of yourself, and it's hard, isn't it? It's like, it's like, like anchors in us, but yet, but but yet that doubt sometimes even after all these years. I've been a Christian since I was eight years old, and um, that's another story we'll get into another time. But you know, I, I tell you what, some, sometimes I have doubts, and a lot of times the doubt is I don't know if I can do this. I, I've been in ministry sometimes where where we had to go to the trash dumps behind stores and get cardboard so we can make props to use in our, our Christmas or our Easter play. And I've gotten caught by the people that are there. Hey, what are you doing in our dumpsters? And, I, and I'm, you know, I don't know if you know this, but I'm white. And most of the people I work with aren't white. And so they're like, hey, you're from, and I'm from the United States and it's always in foreign countries that I'm going through dumpsters. And I go, what are you, what are you doing in our dumpsters? Oh, I'm trying to find cardboard. You know, just to do a play, and they laugh their heads off, but usually they show up to see what our play is about. And so the, the thing is, is that I, I would pray, how are we, getting, we don't have any money for, for 
a Christmas thing. We don't have any money for this. We don't have any money for kids. We don't have any money for that. We don't have, and, and, and I'm thinking, I don't know how we're going to get any of this done. And there's doubts in my life. Maybe this is not what God has. Or maybe I'm, in, you know, I'm not doing something that is right. But then all of a sudden, over time, God does work. But he works in his timing. And he works in his way. I wanted to go back to my hometown and be a youth pastor. I never made it to my hometown. I ended up in Venezuela. And from Venezuela to Africa, which Diana got us there because she prayed, never take me to Africa. And then we're there. And so, and I told her, shame on you. You shouldn't be doing those kind of prayers. And, uh, but we're in, and we love it. And, uh, and, and in Asia, I didn't, I, I don't know how I ended up in Asia, except for the fact that God has opened some doors there for us. So, 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 and, and sometimes when I'm doing these ministries, you know, I don't know how we're going to do the stuff that we're hoping to do in Asia next year or in the, ne- in the next few years. And yet, I just start praying. And I just start saying, if it's on me, and it's on dollars, it'll never get done. But if it's on you, Jesus, and you call us to do this, help us to see the way. Help us to come up with a way to get these things done. Sometimes it's uh, uh, dumpster diving. And those are nasty things, by the way. But you get in there, and you get the cardboard out. And you use them for plays or whatever you have to do. So my point is, is that sometimes our doubt isn't about whether Jesus was buried or he died or he was resurrected. Maybe in the beginning, as we're believers, man, this is still a weird story. But, and maybe some of the other stories in Scripture sometimes, because there's some strange stories in Scripture, isn't there? But, but you find joy in them because you start to see some of the things and some of the ways God works in your life. And so... So then he, then he goes on and he says, some doubted. And uh, he goes on and says this to them. Uh, so they worshiped him, but they were doubting a little bit in the worship. And then 18, he says, Jesus said, Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And, and you know, I, I like I Spanish a lot because I can, I can speak Spanish Hablas tu español? Sí. Yeah, bastante. Tú? Bastante o poquito? Muchísimo? Poquito, okay. So, uh, but in, in Spanish, I really love doing my, my, my Spanish uh, reading uh, to do messages because it's similar to Greek in some ways in the sense that the endings tell you uh, more clearly what uh, is being said there. So that go there is a mandato, which means it's a commandment. In Greek, you just see go. It's not like, you know, it's like go. You know, you, you have to kind of understand the English. We have to express it more. Go. You know, he's telling us to go. And so in this go idea, uh, it, 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 uh, for, for us, it's fantastic because here's God that says, all, all authority has been given to me. Well, authority is kind of a, a neat thing. You've given your pastor authority, right? And you've given it a, a, bell, a elder board's authority, right? But if they don't have any power to do the things, you have no boards? Not yet? Okay, I'm, we won't go into boards. But anyway, you're giving your pastor, you're giving your pastor authority. And he says, don't get me in trouble. I already got him in trouble. But if he doesn't have any power to do the ministry that God has called him to do, then you don't really have 
authority to do anything. You just get up on Sunday morning and say, I hope I don't offend anybody. You know, and that's not, that's not what it's all about. So behind it, Jesus has all authority. Behind that authority is the power, and he chooses us, you and me, to go out and tell people about Jesus, making disciples, baptizing them in their name, teaching them about them, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and God, the Holy Spirit. And I always had God, the Holy Spirit, because sometimes for they, we forget that he is also the trin- part of the Trinity. He is God, and he works in our lives to, to tell us what Jesus wants us to do. And so we have this, this, this opportunity, but how do we do on it? So this is the challenge part. So the challenge part is, how do we do with it? Are we leading people to the Lord? Are we helping people come to know Jesus? Are we being compassionate? Are we loving and kind to our neighbors? Listen, I've had neighbors that I've really wanted to strangle. I don't know about you guys. You, you have those neighbors. I had a neighbor one time that she would come over and bother me all the time. You know, your grass is greener on your side and it's really messing up our side. Or did you know that your line is not straight here? And one time I was, I was uh, fixing something once and uh and and i had a i had a i had a uh and i know it's funny about that fixing something once it might have been twice i was fixing something i do fix things you know but i had this wrench in my hand and she gets on her cell phone and she goes rob rick is standing here with a wrench and i think he's going to hit me with it and i'm like i'm just fixing something then her husband gets home later that day and he apologized i, I don't know if you know this but my wife is uh mentally ill and I said, oh, man, that answers a lot of questions. I felt so sorry for that brother. I started praying for him right then. I did. I prayed for him. I said, let me pray for you. But, but the thing is, is that it, in, in those experiences like that, you know, you have to, you have to, you have to kind of th- try to think what's wrong with some people. But, but then on the other hand, God opens the doors. Have you ever had that feeling in your life where you're, you're somewhere and you're like, man, I need to talk to this person. I mean, it's just there. You know you need to talk to this person, whether he's famous or not. You know you need to talk to him. And, and, and you're like, no, I've got to go do something. I don't have time to talk to this person. But you do. Then you get in this 20-minute conversation, and it's about Jesus. Who put that on your heart? Am I the only one that happens to? I guarantee you it happens to you too, but you deny it. And, I, and my challenge is stop, stop. If God puts it on your heart, and don't walk up with somebody at the Bible and hit them in the head and say, God told me to talk to you today. But I mean, if it's there, don't, don't throw a gospel track into the, uh, into the, uh, into the uh, thing where you pay and not, not give a tip, not those kinds of things. But when it's there, on a plane, you could be on a plane, you're talking to somebody, and, and, and you know that it, you're going to be sitting with this guy for eight or nine or ten hours, and you're like, okay, so you asked me, and we're going to get in this conversation. So you're, you're hoping that there's open doors. I've sat by Buddhists, I've sat by Hindus, I've sat by Muslims, I've sat by atheist professors. I got almost beat up by an atheist professor once. And sitting on, sitting on that plane with a lady that had two doctor degrees, and I'll never forget it because she was studying her expertise. Uh, she was the head of her department at the uh, University of Maryland. She had two doctorate degrees. I have none. And, uh, in fact, I barely got out of high school. That's the truth. Uh, ask Diana. She can testify to that. And I'm sitting next to this person, so I'm, and I'm talking to her, and I ask her what she does. She goes, well, I, I do... Uh, 
uh, my expertise is in narcotics and drugs. And I said, oh, what's your, what's your primary one you work on? She goes, marijuana. And I said, really? I said, so let's say I don't drink and it drink, it makes me sick I, and I get fat stomach and, you know, I just don't like beer. And so let's say I just get home one night and I want to smoke a marijuana cigarette. I bet you didn't think I was going to talk about marijuana cigarettes this morning, did you? But let's just go there for a second. So I, so I, I tell her, I say, what if I just smoke a marijuana cigarette and it just relaxes me? I sleep like a baby that night. I get up and go to work. You know what she told me? She says, you're a stupid, ignorant fool if you think that's true. That's what she told me. And I thought, boy, that, now if I was a Christian and said, you didn't believe in Jesus, you're a stupid, ignorant fool, man, I'd be in big trouble, wouldn't I? But I'm sitting there and thinking, wow, that's, and I told her, I said, that's really strong. And she says, the facts are in. So she went for like a long time talking about the facts, showing me on papers, telling me the truth about marijuana. So let me tell you, if you think marijuana doesn't hurt you, the, the facts really are it does make you less likely to want to do stuff. And it's a gateway. Almost everybody that smokes marijuana or anybody that's into bigger drugs and other things are people that started with marijuana. And so that's what she said to me. Then she turns to me and she smiles and she goes, what do you do? And I said, well... I tell people about Jesus, and that's what I kind of told her. I tell people about Jesus. I'm a missionary, and I do this and that. And she goes, you're not one of those guys that believe that Jesus is the only way to heaven because that would be, you'd be a bigot. You're a hypocrite. That's just, uh, that's just, I just can't believe people would only believe in Jesus. And I sit there, and I say, okay, God, how, how do I get out of this? I mean, two doctors, and she's a woman, by the way. And she, and listen, let's face it. Women can out talk us so fast. I mean, my wife is like five steps ahead of me before I even get to, duh, you know. So it's like, so she, she, she's already got me. And I'm thinking, I just, I just bow my head for a second. And to myself, I said, God, Holy Spirit, are you going to let me get pounced on by this lady? And so finally it dawns on me. I say, hey, wait a minute. I said, you go to church. She goes, I go to church three times a month. I go, great. What church you go to? She goes, I'm an uh, Episcopalian. And I said, good. I said, good. So I don't start fighting. I don't care if she was whatever she was. I'm not going to fight over the religion part of it. And so I said, good. I said, good. So have you read the Bible? And she says, well, I've read parts of it, but my husband has read it all. Now, she, now she's got two doctorate degrees. She's deferring to her husband like that's going to save her, right? And I, and I said, no, no, no. Your husband, that, that's not valid. Only he's, you know. You have, you have to read the Bible. I mean, have you read the Bible? And she says, okay, I haven't read much. And I said, but you go to church, yeah? Is, do you believe that you, you follow Jesus? You would say that you follow Jesus, right? Yeah, I'm a, I follow Jesus. I believe he's my Savior. And yet you don't believe that he's the only way. To, he's the way, the truth, and life. No man comes to the Father except through him. And she goes, no, I just can't buy that. And I said, well, let me ask you a question. A minute ago, I asked you about marijuana cigarettes. And it's how God works it, by the way. And you said, if I didn't believe the facts, that I was a stupid, ignorant fool. I said, you believe in somebody that you've never even read the facts about. So what does that mean? She got mad at me. She, I mean, she did. She just said, I have work to do. And then, then about 20 minutes later, you know, only the way girls can do it, she g giggles. And I always, and my wife giggles even today, but it, it just kind of tickled me because I'm thinking, ah, I got her. I, I didn't get her. God, the Holy Spirit got her. And she goes, you got me. 
And I said, I didn't. God got you. And she goes, no, you got me. And I said, no, no, no. I said, God, the Holy Spirit. I said, so your homework then, and I told her, is to go home and read your Bible. Then you decide whether Jesus is the way, the truth, the life. And uh, all the way off that plane in, um, in, I think it was New York City, she, she was getting off the plane. She would look back at me and she says, you got me. And I said, no, gee. I said, God, the Holy Spirit got you. And there was people that got in between us and they were like, they were like, they were completely confused. So uh, she, at least three or four times off that plane, she says, you got me. And I said, God got you. And I kept saying it because I wanted her to understand I'm not that smart. I don't have any doctorate degrees. I'm not that. But that's how God works in our lives. And, and I told this story last night. I'll tell it, and then, then I'll get on with my little message here. I, I, but I want to, I, this is the part I want to challenge you in. Because God didn't make me any different than he made you. Listen, I was a shy guy in high school. You know, uh, until I became a senior, then I was less shy. But, but in high school, I was more shy. I didn't have a hard time talking to people. I was, I was afraid, a little scared of things. And... Uh, anyway, uh, here's another story. I walk into, uh, I think it was Home Depot. And I'm, and I'm in Home Depot. I could tell you a bunch of stories like this, but we don't have enough time. So I walk into Home Depot, and, you know, I'm a man. I don't know if you know this, but I am a man. And I wrestled in high school, and I was a man's man at one time, but my body has done weird things on me, and I'm getting older. And so I ache and pain all over the place. Young people don't know that yet, but when you get 60, there's, I have some friends that are really old, and they say, you know, Rick, uh, getting old isn't for wimps. And I understand what they, they're saying now. When I was 40, I was thinking, what's he talking about? I don't hurt at all. Well, I hurt more and more all the time. So anyway, I go to get this thing, and it's big. And it probably weighs 130, 140 pounds, maybe 500 pounds. I don't know. But it's not that big. I can pick this thing and put it on the cart. And so I go to get it, and this big African-American guy comes up to me. He disappears. I mean, he's gigantic. He looks like the guy from the Green Mile. I don't know if you've seen that movie. And he walks up to me, and, he, and I'm looking up at him like this. And he says, you want me to get that for you? And I go... Well, I, I think I can give myself, you know, and just, you know, because, you know, a man's never stopped being a man, right? No matter how big we are. So he goes, ah, let me get it for you. So he puts it on and he says, in fact, I'm taking this to you. You got a truck? I got, I got a truck. So I'm taking this to your truck. I said, good. I said, well, why don't we walk together? When we were walking, we were talking and I knew there was something up with this guy. And you had that, you know, I don't have it with everybody, but it was like, talk to this guy. So I talked to him. I started witnessing to him. And I found out he was a believer, but he was really just suffering wasn't going to church he wasn't he, he felt unhappy he felt like uh, you know that he needed to get right with God and so we talked about that all the way to the checkout st- chant, uh, thing and then I just encouraged him I said I said you need to get in a good church I said I don't care who goes to that church but you go in you talk to the pastor and you ask him how does a person get saved and if the pastor says Jesus alone go to that church and, uh, and get into that church and start talking to him. If the pastor kind of gives you, well, you know, you have, don't go. Just say, oh, say, thank you for your time and go to another church. Pick a church where they really believe. And I said, you need to get into some kind of study with somebody. You need to grow. I said, you got to do that. And by the time we were, I didn't know what I, how it was affecting me. And, and, and so I said, now I'm going to pray for you. So I put my arm on him like this. <laughs> and I said, Father, I said, and I just prayed for him. Right there in Home Depot, and people are walking by, you know, almost wrecking their carts, watching this and stuff. But the thing is, that's how God works. So people say, where does your passion come from? From God. 
He's worked in my life. He's cleaned me up. He helps me stay clean. Listen, just because I've been a Christian all these years doesn't mean I can't be a bad one tomorrow. I still have to call on God, the Holy Spirit, please help me. Help me to finish the race until you take me home to be the person you want me to be. Don't, don't let me fall into the traps of my own selfish desires. And they're always there, haunting us, wanting to take over. And we just battle that. But we battle it in God, the Holy Spirit, and it becomes easier. Just to say, oh, been down this road before, and I'm not going to do it. And it does, at the beginning, it's hard. So in that, in, in that living, in those minutes, in those moments, in Jesus, because let's face it, we go to Lowe's, we don't want to talk to anybody. Especially men, I'm going to buy a hammer. And I'm not going to talk to anybody unless they get in the tool section and they're like, wow, tools, right? Take a, take a, take a husband to the dress section of the store and he's like, oh, I'm about ready to... Right? And it doesn't, that's what I'm saying. So you can, the, the thing is, is that we don't want to talk about anything. Men, I mean, wives will sit down and, how's your day? It was good. You know, I do that to my wife all the time. What did you do? I don't know, I did a lot of things. And she'll say... So, okay, you want to hear about my day? Okay, I'll hear about your day. I understand. So we're just like bozos. We don't understand. We don't want to talk. We just want to go get it done. But sometimes God is working in our lives. And he's calling us to tell people about Jesus. And he chooses you and you and you and you and all of us to do it. We're born again. He says, okay, now you're going to be empowered by God, the Holy Spirit. I have all authority. I, I have all the power behind this. It's going to work. We don't, you don't have to kill anybody. You don't have to force anybody to be a believer. You just talk about me. And many times, guess what? Somebody says, how do I believe in that? This is the way you believe. You put your faith and you pray with them to receive Jesus. Then you bring them to this church. Or you bring them to a Bible study. You start getting them connected with, with people who believe the same thing. What, so that's where we're at. And so the, the scriptures end up with this then, or this part of it. After he says that, he says, teach them. And that's what I talked about. After you help them come to know the Lord, teach them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, uh, I am with you always to the end of the age. So God never abandons us. He's always there with us. He never forsakes us. And you know what? I've been in many places where I've been threatened. I remember once standing on this, the bank of the Zambezi River. That sounds, you know, like, wow, you were on the Zambezi? It's really a messy place. But anyway, it was, it's a big river. It's like the Mississippi big, you know. And, uh, and I'm standing there and just looking at, geez, all these people trying to cross this river. And it's big old trucks on, like, made homemade barges and I'm thinking that and I asked the guy that I'm with I said how many times those sink he says all the time and so there must be thousands of trucks underneath that that river and uh, hippopotamus are still there and there's alligators around and uh, or they have crocs there have crocodiles and uh, so I, I and all of a sudden I look over here and I see this guy glazing at me and in my spirit I know that this is not healthy because God is teaching, I mean, he just said, and it's not like he speaks to me. And I'm, and I'm, and I'm not saying that. But you know what? I just, I, I depend on God. When I, for, I, you know, I, and I get to a foreign country, I'm like that guy in, um, in, in 
in, uh, in that movie, I can't remember the name of the movie, but he shows up at the train station, Indiana Jones, and he shows up at the train station, and Indiana's telling the German guy, hey, he knows 15 languages, you, he'll blend in, you'll never find him, and he shows up at the train station, hello, hello, does anybody speak English here? That's me, because I can't learn all those languages, but yet I have to depend, and that dependency is what we need, and as Americans, we don't depend on anybody except for us, and so we should depend on God. God completely. And he shows up and, and he says, yeah, you should run from this guy. So I asked Geronimo, I said, look at this guy staring at us. And Geronimo catches it right away. And he says, yeah, we're going to go. And so we get in our car and we go. And I said, what do you think about that guy? He says, he, he's a bad guy. And he was probably setting us up. And so and one time, Diane and I, we went into a market in uh, Nairobi. And we got about, what, uh, 20 feet into it. And people came to us and said, what are you doing in here? They're planning to rob you. Get out of here. And uh, so the Holy Spirit works in our lives. And so he never forsakes you. And he never leaves you. In fact, nobody can do anything. It can't kill you until it's time for you to go home to be with Jesus. So, so, so there's, my, there's my challenge. Now, here's my prayer. Here's what I pray that the Holy Spirit will work in your life. I pray the Holy Spirit will fill you and that the Holy Spirit will lead you to do what God has called you to do right here in harmony. Now, I'll take a couple of minutes. You know, you didn't give me a time to stop. That's really dangerous. It's, it's time. And so I got like one second to tell you. Three seconds. So the reason why I want to do the scriptural side is because I could, I could come in here and I could tell you that this year, last year we've seen people, we've already seen people come to the Lord in the ministries we have this year. Last year we've seen hundreds of people come to the Lord. We saw churches planted. We saw children fed every day. We've, we, and I can go on and on and on and talk about that. Hey, did we ever show our movie? We didn't. Can we do that? If you give me permission, we'll do it. The movie will show you some faces. But I want to, I want to end with this. So here's the deal. Is that... We can't do anything without having that authority from Christ. Don't let anybody cheat you out of the fact that our God is awesome. And if you respond to him, you can do all things. You can do great things in his name. Why not? Why not go for it now? Don't be obnoxious, but go for it. When God calls you to speak, speak. When he calls you to go do something for him, go do it with all your heart. And I guarantee you, you're going to turn this city and the world upside down. And so, Diane and I have had the privilege of seeing really thousands of people come to the Lord and, and, and multiple of churches. In the last 16 years, we've seen at least 20 plus churches start and uh, uh, more than that, probably close to 30, we, if we counted them up, start because of the ministries that we're involved in. And so, we could have started with that, but that's not impacting. What's impacting is the one that allowed us to do all that is Jesus himself and God the Holy Spirit. Thank you for having us.